Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern, joined in studio by my colleague, Jenny Wise. Hi, Jenny. Hello. And listeners, a little preview here. You're going to be hearing more of Jenny's voice as we go forward. So no pressure, Jenny, but uh, we're going to have you in the studio a lot and participating and co-hosting and uh, making it so listeners don't always have to hear from me on these podcasts. (laughs) Great. Looking forward to it. (laughs) To kick off your new part of a CX cast, we wanted to talk to you human to human about human-like experiences that companies are trying to design and create Uh uh, with non-humans as part of it, right? Uh, More human-like, you would only say that if it was a technology delivering it. So uh, maybe to start us off, tell us, um, what does that mean? What human experiences, uh, you know, because I just think of people, Mm -hmm. uh, especially with my culture beat. So what does it mean to be a more human-like experience for uh, a technology interface? Yeah, so we're talking about these human-like experiences for technology, because we are seeing the emergence of these technologies and devices that are having conversations Mm. with customers. In Alexa, within the Echo, in your home, that is talking to you. You are talking with a brand on Facebook Messenger. And so as a human on the side of that interaction, (laughs) I am projecting the expectation that this digital experience is going to respond to me in a human-like way. You can't help but when you're talking with a chatbot, expect it to be like texting with a friend, right? Yeah. Who will respond to you. Yeah. Or even if you are talking to Pepper the robot, <laughs> right? You are going to talk to yeah. this robot as, as, as if you are talking with a person. If they feel or seem human, then we almost instantly start interacting with yeah. them as if it is another human on the end of that. Yeah, they are essentially mimicking these human communication styles, right, that are so embedded within humans and and how we interact through gestures, through conversation, through voice, that we can't help as people to expect a level of humanism from these digital experiences. Okay, so that implies then that if we expect more humanness from the machines, Mm -hmm. that... I would have guessed that's harder for them to deliver, right? Meet our expectations is a higher bar there for the machines, for for the technology interfaces, if we're holding them to the standard of a human. Is that fair? Yeah. So this is what I'm looking at a lot is the interaction design, right? Between humans and devices or things or digital experiences uh, where we have this expectation of a more human-like experience, right? Because you as a designer now have to understand how are we going to have the digital side of this experience respond to the human in a way that meets their expectations? And that's hard from a design perspective, also from a understanding of technology and what's possible today to actually enable this more human-like experience perspective. It raises a lot of challenges. Yeah, it really does. I mean, we have a common uh, master's background, human factors, right? And that always implied to me human factors and information design or human-computer interaction, another sort of related discipline Mm -hmm. that we're going to figure out what people's visual and all their, you know, spatial and aural, you know, sort of limits allow the interface to do or or suggest that the interface should do, but it's still an interface. It's still clearly a form or a machine. It's clearly human with non-human. Even if people are aware that it's non-human at first, we're trying to get to a point where that fades away Mm-hmm. And the customer can be in on the uh, deception, so to speak, that this is 
you know, a live reacting being, yeah. uh, sort of a presence and knowledge on the other side that isn't true, but that it's acting in that way. And so that to me is like suddenly human factors and in information design, it's human factors and human emotions or human expectations, right? You're sort of yeah. expanding the field here. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I love that point of view there. There's a few ideas that that raises. Yeah. So the first is this match of mental models, right, yeah. between human yeah, and yeah, system. Yeah. Uh, so right now, you know, as a person, initially when we had computers, it was how do I use this and what is the file and where do I store things and where is the save button? Right. And so we had to learn to interact as the system wants us to interact. Yes, yes. Right? We adapted and to the system. Yeah, we yeah. adapted to the system and sort of that system model. Right. Uh, but when we go into a conversational experience, I have a very strong mental model of how a conversation yeah, works. Right. <laughs> and so I fully expect and project that expectation onto the system. Yeah. I don't think I should have to talk to a device as if I'm filling out a forum field. Right. That's not a natural <laughs> right. conversation. Tab, last name. Yeah. Tab, address, right? Yeah. It's like, right. where are you Where are you traveling to? Yeah. Uh, New York. When are you traveling? This date. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Yeah. <laughs> Can you start yeah, the day? Right. And you're like, that's not how I talk at all. Right, right. Um, so you have to think about that now. There's a much stronger emphasis on getting the system model to align to the human's yeah. mental model. Yeah, that's interesting. We're talking about this, and, and sort of the assumption that I have as, a, as we're asking you these questions is, okay, the, the technology interfaces are trying to get closer and closer mm -hmm. to the proficiency of an actual human delivering mm -hmm. that experience. And so, and that uh, the assumption I want to call out there is that they're trying to get closer and closer to matching it. And then they match it and, you know, we did it, we go away. But I, I mean, I guess there's a world where they could move beyond the humans and it's better, but I, I don't know. It seems like everything's trying to make it as good as humans rather than trying to move beyond what yeah. humans can deliver. That is true. And I think that's where the impact of technology on this limits what's possible today. Okay. But I do think in this ideal state, right, if you imagine that I'm having a conversation with customer service on the phone right now, sure, yeah. uh, that person can pull up everything that they know about me and we can talk in real time and they can try to tailor their response to me. But you can imagine in, in the future, right, I talk to whatever device I have that knows everything about me yeah. uh, and I, or I connect with this company through this device and they can shortcut directly to what it is that they think I know, yeah. right, just because they are so plugged into my digital self and all of the devices within my home that they know I'm having this trouble right. with my cable box and right, they just right, fix right. it for me, yeah. right? And so that's where I had this really quick conversational interaction, for example, using voice, asking for help. And it was amazingly helpful and personalized to me. Yeah. And the way that was uh, enabled is that it used artificial intelligence and machine learning and this wealth of data and was able to crunch that data so quickly because it's a machine. It's a right. system and a technology. Right, right. But where we think where we are today, in that same voice interaction example, there might be some natural language processing problems that you <laughs> right. run into. Right, right? right. It might mishear a word that I say, or there's too much ambient noise. And then there's natural language understanding. So the system might not know what the intent was behind my question. Yeah. Right? So it might fall yeah. apart there. Right. And when we look at the machine learning and artificial intelligence in these systems today, it's not necessarily at that level where it can personalize and it knows everything about me. Right. So that's where the technology needs to advance to be able to create these experiences that are above and beyond what a human can do today.
No, that's great. I mean, I think you sort of get at the, the current challenges of uh-huh. natural language processing, that the meaning in words that can have multiple meanings, and, mm-hmm. and that's holding it up and preventing it from being as good as humans. But then that potential to go beyond is that limitless access to data and to yeah. data analytical power, mm-hmm. which, you know, we talk to companies all the time. They say, we can't even get all of our data integrated. And here we are talking about a device that could pull in everything it knows about you from all the different companies and devices you might work with and do yeah. business with. So suddenly you can see that potential to say, I'm going to diagnose this problem beyond even what you're giving right. me because I can connect it to all this other data. Yeah, especially the brain of the system becomes yeah. so powerful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So now it's it's sort of an all-seeing, all-knowing. I'm thinking yeah. of a certain gets really Game creepy. of Thrones character <laughs> right now, right? Sees everything yeah. happening at all times and in all history and can pull it in. And yeah, and actually what's funny is that can become creepy and unnatural yeah. again yeah. that you have that kind of insight into me and a little, you know, feels like violation of privacy almost, right? right? Yeah, then we get into the privacy concerns, yes. right? So do I want the cable provider that I'm trying to troubleshoot this problem to to know everything right. about me to then know the right tone to talk right. back to me or to troubleshoot this other problem within my home? So you get into user permissions for data and right. comfort in sharing data and also the company understanding the relationship that they have with the user to understand the right degree of personalization in that experience. Cool. So this is a ongoing active area of research for you now. Any examples stand out that you can share that are sort of good examples of companies, you know, struggling with this and getting it right or some, yeah. some good applications that you've seen? Yeah. So maybe I'll share first a bad example. Okay, sure. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Those are easier to find yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, and I think that these examples drive home the expectation of a human-like interaction, yeah. which is sort of how we started this conversation. Right. So if we're thinking about talking to Alexa today, the main way that it is done is that I, the user, fill it out relatively like a form field, right? And so we had an example, and I guess this wasn't an Alexa skill, but 1-800-Flowers, where I'm ordering mm. flowers, and I say who I want to send them to, when I want to send them, what date I want to send them. And then if I want to go back and actually you know, change that date when I've moved on, it won't let me. And that's because huh. it's like a form letting you fill out slots. If you think about it, that's not at all like a conversation. Right. right? So that's where as a designer, you have to start with thinking about how would I expect a conversation to go between two people? Yeah. Right. So what I expect is that there is this turn in dialogue. Yeah. Right. So it's not even, is it a conversational interface if I had to say, turn on the lights and they turn on the lights and that's it. Right. Was that conversational or was that just a, a passing voice command? <laughs> I think that's so, like an interaction 30 years into a marriage. Right? Yeah, I know that's, that's, <laughs> that's another matter. Okay. Is that a conversation? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, so we think that's not necessarily a conversation, right? The criteria is it should take at least one yeah. turn. Yeah. Uh, also, there's an expectation of memory. Yeah. Right. Just now talking to you, if I say, oh, remember that example earlier in the conversation, I expect that you can go back. I'm sorry. Can you repeat everything you said before already to me, Jenny? Yeah. Remember that mention of personalization? You'll be like, I'm sorry. What was that? (laughs) No, we just talked about that one second ago. Um, I flush my memory every minute. So I don't remember that. Yeah. And then I have to start all over again. Right. So you expect in session memory. And that's such a great example to your point about the expectation of humanness right, in, exactly. a, in a more conversational tone yeah. that the context of what we just talked about yeah. isn't lost the yeah, second I have to do one thing over, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and that's what happens. There's also the ability, and I forget what they, they call this, but it's the ability that people have to fudge information. 
Yeah. Right? So if I'm on the phone and I want to take a, take a trip, and let's say they ask when I think I'm going, and I'm like, I can't remember the exact date. It's going to be one of these two days. So could you give me some type of quote? Yeah. Uh, and then I can go back and say, okay, well, it's actually going to be this day. If I'm talking to the system, I have to give it a specific day, right? right? I can't say, oh, well, it might be in this range. Right. Or I'll get back to you on that. Let's let's complete the form. Yeah. So you need that ability also, right, to go yeah. back and revise and augment what you've said. And so... Those are some of the thresholds that we have as humans for that conversation. And so then you have to say, okay, well, are we designing something yeah. that's going to do that? That example you just gave made me think of, I was thinking of this earlier, the idea that in conversation, mm-hmm. I think we're guilty of this, although I think it's a sort of social norm, social nicety. We will often agree or act as if we understood and heard everything completely when we didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, and machine, to your point, machines can't do that. So yeah. if the, if you said, what dates are you traveling? And then, and you say, oh, you know, it could be this date, could be that date. You know, I could see the artificial intelligence saying, I'm just going to pick a date and give her a quote because she wants a quote here. Yeah. So let me just grab a date and go with that. And if she says, no, I meant this other date. Well, then at least my giving her the quote on that date forced her to get clarity around the decision, which is often what we do yeah. in a conversation. It's like, yeah, I feel the same way about that too. And you said, no, I didn't say that. I said this other thing. And it, at least we got there, right? Yeah. The understanding, the understanding had to happen with partial understanding mm-hmm. earlier in the conversation. Yeah, and right. a machine, as you're saying, can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's There's really this ability on, on both sides, Yeah, right, to be able to do this, which also is the an interesting implication for error handling, yeah. right? When we're thinking about these interactions. Yeah. Um, how do I know that Alexa is listening to me. Yeah. What if I'm talking for a really long time? Has she turned <laughs> off or, or is yeah. she still listening? Yeah. Are you um, still there, Alexa? Yeah. yeah. And is Alexa able to validate, yeah. you know, the what she heard and how she's making the decision? Or yeah. is she just going to come back with a response? There was this one example of a cooking skill yeah. where someone had indicated that they were vegetarian and I'm forgetting the word, but they said that they wanted a recipe for salad, for example, but it heard um, sirloin instead. Oh, no. So it came to this recipe for this really meat-heavy dish. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and the person was really angry. Yeah. like, what? You know I'm a vegetarian. Why right. do you think I'm asking for right. this? This was wrong. And they weren't able to go back and revise it, and they didn't know the error that happened. Yeah. And so that's an example where in a conversation... Right, as a human, you'd be like, oh, they probably didn't ask for that. Yeah, maybe I yeah. should say, no, I heard this. Is that what you meant? Yeah. And, and fix it. Right. So, yeah, there's this two-way ability to comprehend and adjust that, that yeah. logic. Yeah. No, it's a, great, I mean, it's a great example. I was you know, looking up yesterday, and this is an app, so it's not even the conversational interface, going on a, a train up to Portland, Maine. Yeah. And I had entered the wrong station in Boston. And so it was telling me this like convoluted bus route. And it's like, well... Couldn't you guess that I didn't mean South Station? I meant North Station because that's where the train to Maine leaves from. Like, yeah. this is not rocket science. This that error must happen daily yeah. for people going from Boston to Portland, Maine, mm-hmm. because it only the train only leaves from the one station. There are two count sort of three Amtrak stations in Boston, and if you pick the wrong one, yeah. then you're going to not get the the thing you want. But obviously, the thing I want is to go on a train from Boston to Maine. Yeah, but that's funny because you say obviously, right? That right. is your, yeah, that that's is your me. expectation. That's me. That's right. That's right. You that's should right. know this. Yeah. And yeah. that further speaks to the expectation that we have of these companies. Yeah. Right? Like, why, why would you think I would ever ask for this recipe? Yeah. When you know that yeah. I'm a vegetarian. Because right. we expect more in a conversation with a human. Right. And so we are increasingly expecting this from technologies. The bar has been raised. Yeah, that's fascinating. And and to your point, the bar has been raised in the conversational interfaces. But as I was just expressing, yeah, that kind of logic mm-hmm. and intelligence is raised in other 
aspects yeah. as well. Um, because, you know, you should know if I want to go here, it's via your actual service, not yeah. a bus that replaces the train. Yeah. Um, okay, well, great. This is all really interesting, fascinating. And, and as you said, I think more to come, right, in this. And, and you're yeah, doing a lot, more a, lot to of, come. a lot of research <laughs> in this, this area. Research. Okay, yeah. good. Um, listeners, before we go, we have one request for you. I'm going to pass it over to Jenny because this is for upcoming research that she's working on. Yes. So we are going to cover on an upcoming episode and take on some of the challenges that CX teams and UX teams are facing. Mm. And so what we would love to hear from you are what are some challenges that you're facing as a company or as a team, whether it is your team organization, how you are getting buy-in or prioritizing projects, things about staffing and scaling, or even how you're working with Agile. Yeah, We'd love to hear questions that you have, and then we'll share some of the answers that we tend to see on that future episode. Yes, listeners, uh, you should see Jenny and my email addresses in the show notes for the podcast episode. We'd love to hear from you on this and uh, over the next few weeks as hopefully the questions and stories and challenges pour in. Uh, we'll collect those and get those ready for a future podcast episode. We'll be coming back to you with more from Jenny on this topic in the future. So uh, stay tuned for that. So thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CXCast. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality.